Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. They'll probably, I'm sure, practice on Monday or have some type of, you know, little training course for, for Monroe on Monday to get him ready. But this is a big week, obviously. You got Toronto, you got Washington, then you got come home to Indiana, then you got the Cavaliers, and then mm-hmm. uh, you end it with the Clippers. So, you know, five big games before the All-Star break. So an opportunity for them to get some wins, create some separation between them and the Raptors and them and the Cavaliers. So uh, I think... I'm shooting. I think he's shooting for Tuesday against Toronto. Hello and welcome to episode number 25 of the Celtics Blog Podcast. While everyone's talking about the Patriots, some good Celtics news happened over the weekend. Danny Ainge added to the team, added to the depth by coming to terms with an agreement on Greg Monroe. Lots of questions on that front that need to be answered. And since... That is the case. We took in two experts today. Mike Petrelia is with us live from Minnesota as he covers the Super Bowl to give his instant reaction to Monroe, the fit, how he'll impact this team. And then Gary Washburn, Boston Globe Celtics reporter, joins us to talk about how this deal came together, when we might see Monroe, and the fit as well. Everyone wants to know how this back-to-the-basket traditional center is going to fit in the fold with two other centers here. Washburn had an interesting answer in particular on how this affects the other two centers in the fold, things that they were doing that maybe contributed to the Celtics' need to bring in another center who might be more reliable. We'll see. So let's start this off. we got Mike Petralia. Gary Washburn's up next, and this episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. The SeatGeek app has transformed the way everyone buys tickets. Sports and concerts can be so complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that is SeatGeek, the app that you can get on your iPhone, your Android. You can even check it out online. It's the smartest, easiest way to buy tickets to every type of event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek is going to help you satisfy someone, even if that is yourself. They help you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. And there's nothing quite like seeing the Celtics or... Your favorite artists, thanks to SeatGeek, and they'll get you close to the action for a great value. You see, what's so great about SeatGeek is that they make it easy for you. They have these ratings 
that show you whether you're getting a good deal, great deal. It's red if it's a bad deal, so you know to stay away from those right away. I can instantly find the seats I want for these Celtics-Syracuse games when I'm using SeatGeek to buy tickets for you know anything I'm looking for. It's always the first place I go to find tickets, and <clears throat> it's a great, great spot to find a deal because of that rating system that I just mentioned. Saves you time and money. And you get the most bang for your buck. So, best of all, my listeners are going to get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code GARDENREPORT. That's one word, GARDENREPORT, all together. That's promo code GARDENREPORT for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Go download the SeatGeek app today. Let's get into it. Here is Gary Washburn. Now joining us here on the Banners broadcast on Celtics Blog, Gary Washburn, Celtics writer, NBA writer for the Boston Globe. He had a piece today on Greg Monroe, the signing, the fit with the Celtics, so we're going to get a little bit more from him right here. How's it going, Gary? Thanks for being aboard. Oh, no problem. So, Gary, can you give us a little insight into how this came together? What kind of mutual interest was there between Monroe and the Celtics? Because the Pelicans were going to give him starting minutes, maybe a little bit less money, but in Boston, playing time isn't certain, as we know with Brad Stevens. What, what, is, what made this come together? Was it the extra money? Monroe has played in um, six playoff games in eight years, so I think the opportunity to go far and perhaps reach the NBA Finals was enticing. And also the extra $5 million, you know, all New Orleans could offer him, I think, was 2 So I think that made a difference. And I just think situation, they've been long interested in him. Danny Ainge has a good relationship with his agent, uh, David Falk, you know, going back for years. So I just think that he felt like it was the right fit, although he's a New Orleans guy and he's, you know, he's born and raised there. And, you know, I just think, for him, he felt like Boston was the best situation, and the Celtics definitely need a big who could score around the basket. So let's speak of that situation. The three centers now in the fold, Aaron Baines, Daniel Tice, and, of course, you have uh, Al Horford, who plays quite a bit of center as well. This team's known for going small. What do you expect his role to be with this group? Is it going to be situation, situation basketball, as we've seen with some of the bigs so far this year? Or is he going to take a more premier role by the end of this year, you think? I think eventually he'll probably start along with Horford. I mean, as much as Baines has had, you know, his moments, he just can't ever stay out of foul trouble. He's second on the team in fouls, despite the fact that he plays 18 minutes a game. And then Tice is right behind him in terms of, like, fouls per minute. I mean, they just neither guy can stay on the court long enough because they get fouls. So I think if you – for the Celtics, you want to put Monroe in a situation where you can play with Horford, um, play with a Marcus Morris, and he can play defense, rebound, score around the basket. He just gives you another body. And I think with, with Baines, as much as they like Baines, Baines is a poor finisher around the basket. He can't avoid foul trouble. So you can, you know, you can only play him about 15, 16 minutes a game. So I don't think this will dramatically cut anyone's playing time because Tice and Baines don't stay on the court long enough because they're in fouls trouble. Yeah, we haven't seen a ton of minutes from them this year down the roster in minutes per game, and the fouls do uh, have a bit to do with that. You got into that with your piece today. You've seen Monroe covering the league for many years now. 
what can you say? We all know he's a great rebounder. We all know he can finish around the basket. And he's gotten better at that over the years. But what can you say about his defense? Because this Celtics team is built on defense. Is he going to be able to uh, sustain that success there in big minutes at center? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be respectable defensively. He's never been a good defensive player. But I think he's somebody that, I mean, neither was Kyrie Irving. And I just think when you get into a defensive system like Boston's, you've got to try or you're going to look really bad or you're not going to play. So mm-hmm. I think if you're Monroe, he's renewed. He's playing in a winning situation now. He's going to give effort. I mean, is he going to block five shots a game? No. Is he going to control the paint? No. But I think he'll give a good amount of effort. And I think once you have him and then you, have, you can blend in the offensive element, the, the ability to rebound, score right a basket, I think it's a plus for the Celtics. There's been a lot of talk about Monroe, and he's finally here now. The other big player that the Celtics could be in on this the trade deadline, it seems like, is Tyreek Evans out in Memphis. There's been a lot of debate back and forth about his fit with this team, what they'd have to give up to get him. Do you see them making a big run at Evans? How likely do you think it is that he ends up here, too, around the trade deadline? Well, that's going to be uh, – that, that would require now a trade of salary. So you're going to have to trade Memphis someone on your roster because the Celtics have a stacked roster. And the question is, if you're Memphis, what do you ask for? Okay, because Tyreek Evans has become a unexpected uh, asset. You know, they just signed him, you know, maybe to add on to the roster for a playoff run. Well, now – can you work that into a first-round pick? We, do you ask the Celtics for their like for their first-round pick in, in any type of deal? Then take back a salary, Abdul Nader. I'm just throwing guys out there. I'm not, you know, sure. Obviously, now everyone's going to ask for Rozier. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. But you know, you don't give him up um, for you know six weeks, two months, and a playoff run of Tyreek Evans. But I think if you're the Grizzlies, it all depends on what your expectations are. Do you say, hey, well, we really didn't expect to flip Evans into anything, so anything we get for him is good, or do you now become a little bit more selective and say, uh, we want we want a first-round pick and we want a young player, or we want, you know, a prospect, we, you know, a, a guy like a Nader who might not make a big impact, but if you work with him, maybe he could down the road. Who knows? So I think the Celtics are going to have to think about that. And then how many picks or what picks they want to sacrifice. I don't think they should, you know, obviously consider at all either of the uh, whatever pick, the Laker pick, King pick that they have. Uh, I think it, w- it wouldn't be a bad idea if they gave up that late first rounder because you just don't know about the draft. But looking at this draft, you know, you can get some pretty good players at that spot. Just ask the Lakers with Kyle Kuzma when they traded for him mm-hmm. in the Nets. So it's a, it's a tricky proposition. It's a risk. But if you if you want to go all in, I think you go after him. So I'm glad you brought up Terry Roger. That's about as good a two games as you can have in your first two starts in your NBA career between a triple-double and a 30-point bomb the next night. Uh, what, what is the feeling around him, around the team right now, after those two sensational performances with his minutes going up. Of course, Marcus Smart's out of the fold right now, but once he returns, could we look at Roger maybe assuming that six-man position, the way he's played those two games, but all season he's been very good, too. 
Well, I just think he's got to be remain consistent. I think with Terry, there's levels of ups and downs. I think him and Marcus are a lot alike like that. Like both of them are pretty inconsistent at times. And then now you give Terry an opportunity to start, and he flourishes with a triple-double and then career high 31 points last night. So I think that there's definitely been, I guess, a renewed kind of enthusiasm about Terry because of his potential. But Terry wants to start in this league, and um, unless you know something happens with Kyrie over the next two years, that's not going to happen in Boston. Mm-hmm. So you know, and he's due an extension this summer. So that's going to be interesting. His these two games could have long-term effects on his future in Boston, um, how he perceives himself, how his agent perceives him. Et cetera, et cetera, considering that, you know, he put up these two big games, two wins without Irving. You know, they scored 119 points last night, you know, 103 the other night when they blew out the Knicks. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good situation to have with the Celtics. Um, once again, you know, they kind of scored in the draft. Uh, after Danny had some misses, but this is going to have long-term effects. I think, and I think for this season, I think you obviously have an expanded role where you can play Rozier at the point, Kyrie to two. You can flip-flop, mix-match, all that. And I think um, there's definitely some, you know, a lot of possibilities for Brad Stevens. Last question for you today. Monroe's in the fold. Rozier's playing very well. And, of course, there's a possibility they could add at the trade deadline. How... how optimistic are you and this team about competing for that Eastern Conference title? It's been a sensational start to this season. There's issues in Cleveland, of course. There's a big game against them coming up and the Raptors as well. People were doubting, you know, Jordan Hayward, the team still doesn't seem to think he's going to be coming back this season, but whether he's in the fold or not, this team is proving it's very good. Do you think there's a chance they could be there for that finals contention when uh, the end of the playoffs comes? Yeah, of course. I think they have a good opportunity. Cleveland's kind of an upheaval right now. They're a bad defensive team. And the Raptors are a team that's always given themselves Celtics troubles over the last couple of years, but then the playoffs, they kind of melt. Uh, so if you're Boston, you definitely like your chances of competing. You definitely think this could be the year because who knows what Cleveland is going to do over the next few days in terms of upgrading their roster. You know, they're probably going to have to do something drastic. I don't think that, like, one guy is going to help them and put them over the top. I mean, they're going to have to give up. If they, let's say, go after DeAndre Jordan, I mean, they're going to have to give up, you know, Tristan Thompson, a first-round pick, you know, maybe the Brooklyn pick, something like that. The, the Clippers are not going to just help out the Cavaliers. You know, they're not going to say, hey, just give us Tristan Thompson. I mean, they're going to want that Brooklyn pick, right, because mm-hmm. they're trying to rebuild. They've, they've changed course in the middle of the season. So they're going to ask for something more than just Tristan Thompson. They're going to – you know, they're not going to just here, they're not here to help the Cavs out. So, if you're the Cavaliers, what do you do? The Raptors, you like them and, and they play well, but then here comes the playoffs and then all of a sudden they get swept by somebody. So, I think if you're the Celtics, you definitely have a big possibility, a big opportunity to reach the finals, to, to have a series with the Golden State Warriors and put yourself in the biggest spotlight and, and get there for the first time since 2010. Uh, I think this, this, this could be the year. That's Gary Washburn. You can read his Greg Monroe piece at bostonglobe.com or in the paper if you're in the area. Thanks a lot for being here with Celtics Blog today, Gary. Oh, no problem. Thank you. All right, here he is, the most versatile man at CLNS Media up in the Minnesota area, but... 
around here, we're talking Celtics. We're keeping it on the good guys right now, and they have some good news this weekend. Greg Monroe signing Friday, as you all know by now. So here to break it down, give his first reaction to the signing, is our own Mike Petrelia. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that very much, Bobby. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, enjoying the weekend, the big weekend of sports up here at Syracuse between this and the other games going on. So let's get right into it. A lot of people are worried about Greg Monroe. There are a lot of Celtics fans who wanted this guy for a long time, but the fit is a concern. This is a back-to-the-basket player, kind of an old-school big. He's found his way to fit in on some teams over the years uh, with the skills he does have, rebounding, definitely a solid inside scorer. What do you think of his fit with the Celtics? I think it's a good fit. Well, I think more than anything, Bobby, what it gives the Celtics is a big with toughness in the paint, and that's what they really do need. And he is 6'11", so it does give him length. And I know a lot of people uh, have been a little bit hot and cold on Aaron Baines the last, you know, three to four weeks and wanted more, you know, from their big inside. And I think in terms of rebounding, that's what Greg Monroe can give you. He's only 27. And if you take a look, yes, he was very, you know, he was inactive quite a bit with the Phoenix Suns for a good portion of December uh, and uh, into January. But if you take a look, at uh, his last six games, three of the, or five games, three of those last five games, he was in double figures in scoring. Uh, he even had uh, a double-double, 16 points and 17 rebounds yeah. at, Indianapolis, uh, at Indiana. That is not uh, you know, insignificant. True, they lost the game by 15, but those are still big numbers, and I think coming off the bench, that's what uh, I think the Celtics need. And look, Marcus Morris today in the locker room was talking about how Greg Monroe is a well-respected veteran big around the NBA, and he thinks it's a great pickup. And, you know, I think that's telling that a guy like uh, Marcus Morris, who potentially could see minutes taken away from him, says this about a, you know, a fellow uh, veteran big in the NBA in uh, Greg Monroe. And, you know, the Celtics... Uh, did what they had to do. They outspent the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans by about uh, $2.5 million uh, to make sure that their bid was accepted in the one-year deal that they offered uh, David Falk and uh, the, the agent for uh, Greg Monroe. So I think it, it's good all the way around for Danny Ainge to add somebody like this who uh, gives the Celtics some much-needed uh, length uh, under the basket. David Falk, a Syracuse grad, might I add. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Treggs. <laughs> this team, we thought it flipped overnight over the summer, but now add this guy to the mix, and we're talking three centers, so much size on this team, so much length, and now instead of you know one center on this roster as there was a year ago, we're talking about three centers between Baines Tice, who has played really well of late, and of course Monroe, who figures to come in here and be looking for an opportunity. How do you think Stevens is going to work out the minutes between these big men? Are we going to see small ball go out the window now? Or is there always going to be a typical center on the court for this team now? No, I, I think this just gives them another option, gives Brad Stevens another option off the bench, and creates competition, right? I mean, I look, the thing, I don't think Brad's going to say this, but he knows as well as anybody maybe some of those veteran bigs were looking around the room and going, well, nobody's going to take my minutes. Nobody's going to take my job. And now with a guy like Greg Monroe in the room, 
there is definitely somebody in there who is hungry to prove himself. Again, I, I keep going back to the fact he's 27. This guy isn't 32 or 33. He's still pretty young and theoretically in the prime of his career with a point to prove. And I think that he could certainly provide a boost in terms of toughness uh, off the bench for the Celtics and even, you know, spot start if they, if Stevens looks at Monroe and he, you know, develops into something very reliable for Stevens, maybe even, you know, Stevens pops him in the starting lineup. I would not be surprised with that at all. I mean, he's got about 20 starts this season between Milwaukee and Phoenix. So, you know, this is a guy who's played a good number of minutes already this year, but on the flip side of that, he's also well well rested because he's been inactive for about uh, 20 games this year. So uh, it, it's an interesting case, and it'll be fascinating to see how Brad Stevens plays it out. I'm excited, too. It's nice to have that depth on the roster. We were talking about that last week. If this team could add something, it's to have that depth, different options. We know Stevens likes to match up out there, and the rebounding on this team is amazing. We talk about it all the time here at the network, how those big three teams, as good as they were with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, didn't really rebound, and this team hasn't really rebounded at the highest level since you know, even the Larry Bird days. It's, and now it looks like this team has the potential to be maybe the number one rebounding team in all of basketball as they were earlier this year. I mean, Monroe, the thing I love about him is not only is he willing to play off the bench, but he makes the most of those bench minutes. He'll haul in five rebounds in like 17 minutes a game, eight if he bumps up to 23 as he has this year. He he makes the most of those minutes. So now what do you make of this team, Treggs, in the wake of this signing? Has it changed your view of them at all? Does it take them a step further in our playoff expectations? Because it certainly helps their rebounding. They add bench scoring. They add depth yep. and a matchup, uh, matchup advantage now, too, you would think. How does it change your view on this team? I think they're more equipped to handle a team like Cleveland or uh, certainly a team like Toronto in the playoffs, um, and you throw Washington in there as well. I, I, I'm not ready to, you know, throw uh, Milwaukee or Philadelphia in there, but I'll tell you what, the two games that concerned me when, when the red flag started going up and the alarms started going off with, up were uh, the back-to-back games, New Orleans and Philadelphia, when stretch bigs just ate the Celtics alive. And I think – Ainge looked at those two games and were like, okay, if this happens, and if we see Philly in the first round of the playoffs, we've got to be better equipped to handle their length in the paint. They cannot, uh, Joel Embiid cannot dominate us the way that he dominated that particular game, you know, that home loss to the 76ers. That can't happen. And I think, you know, the, as much as people clamor for Tyreek Evans, I think the Celtics' bigger need. Uh, no pun intended, was to get a big man in the paint to defend, the not so much defend the rim, although that would have been helpful, but to rebound and defend, um, you know, anybody trying to come into the paint. And that's a good point. Philadelphia is the number one rebounding team in the NBA right now in terms of rebounds per game. And Toronto, look back at that Bucks raptors series a couple of years back now in six games. 
Greg Monroe did score double figures in five. He was a big part. My last question for you today, before we let you get back to your Super Bowl coverage, I know football is on everybody's mind today. What kind of lineups would you like to see the Celtics run with Monroe? Do you think they're going to be playing him in combination with Horford more or with those smaller lineups that we usually see from Brad Stevens? I would think at first, smaller lineups, just because I think he would be the one guy in a small lineup You'd want him under the paint, keeping it simple and rebounding and and defending the rim uh, and defending the paint as much as possible. Um, I think when Horford's out there, the dynamic of that offense is really going to go through him, and I think it's a little more complicated, so I think they're going to give Greg Monroe a little time to assimilate. I mean, I look, Al Horford is a spectacular talent out there for the Celtics, and he's a very, very intelligent player. But when you have a player like that, sometimes it takes some getting used to in terms of understanding where you're supposed to be in certain actions that the Celtics run, as Brad Stevens likes to talk about. Uh, And I don't think they want to just throw Greg Monroe into that. I think they want him to let him assimilate. And the best way to do that is when you're playing with a bunch of smalls, um, you know, if that's the way Stevens goes and you're the lone big, and, you know, your role becomes a little more defined. I'm just guessing there, but that's my best educated guess. All right, you won't be getting any guessing from Petrelia out there at the Super Bowl. All his videos available at the CLNS Media YouTube page, and you can find him on Twitter at Treggs, and uh, you can, of course, read him at CelticsBlog.com, as I'm sure you will once this football season ends. Thanks for taking some time out of your day, Treggs. I appreciate it, Bobby, and be sure to check out my one-on-one interview with Shane Larkin that I did the other night. Uh, He's uh, missing the game again tonight against the Hawks, but uh, I really enjoyed talking with Shane Larkin. Uh, Got him to open up a little bit about his role in Boston and, you know, him joining the Celtics in between the uh, Gordon Hayward signing and the trade for Tyree Irving. It's pretty interesting stuff up at Celtics blog. Absolutely. Have a good one, Treggs. You too, Bobby. Take care. That's our show for today. Thanks to Mike Petrelli for being with us. Uh, Gary Washburn for joining the show as a special guest as well. As always, you can find the latest, greatest Celtics content over at CelticsBlog.com. And if you want to keep listening to this podcast every week, see what our cast of characters and writers have to say about this team and their content. Give the Banners Broadcast a subscribe, rate, review over at iTunes, Stitcher, and of course you can get this and all the other podcasts, including the Celtics Post Game Show, which I am regularly on, on the CLNS Media mobile app, available on all platforms. I'm Bobby Manning. You can find me at Real Bob Manning as the season continues to roll on Tuesday. Celtics Raptors, we're probably going to see Irving back, and that will be one of the biggest games of this season, in my opinion. That motion offense that Toronto is putting out there is still wildly intriguing to me this year. It feels different north of the border this year than it has in past years. I still got people telling me that this team's known to fall off come postseason time. I think it's different this year. We'll see. Celtics edge them out in the first matchup, and they play up in Toronto tomorrow night. I'll be on postgame with Joe Sway Pavone, so you can listen to us live after the game on the clnsmedia.com homepage, and you can read all about it at Celtics Blog, as I mentioned. That's it for our episode today. We will see you next week with Keith Smith to get further into the trade deadline and what possibilities might lie ahead for the Celtics. 
Thanks, everyone. Good night. Bleep you. This is this is our way. Yes, loud. Stevens is pretty smart and knows what he's doing. That three and D roll. Go oh, it's the D League. If I had uh, Antoine Walker's body, I'd be an all star. <laughs> Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden. Mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden other than the fact that it's a thousand years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look.